Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show. I am once again joining you from COVID Central and I am feeling a little bit under the weather, but thankfully, I've got a co-host with the most, a man who watches six minutes of rugby league a weekend, <laughs> follows no news, follows no news about the rugby league, and had to be explained this week how World Cup qualification works. G. Welcome to the GNT show. Oh, I think I'll be handling this one this afternoon. How are you going? T, you're not feeling oh, well, that's good. So No, no. But what news caught your eye then if you're going to handle it this week, G? I told you I don't keep up with the rugby league gossip, unfortunately. I focus purely on the technical aspects of the game. So, um... Well, what was one technical <laughs> aspect that you noticed this weekend? The refs are randomly calling sixes to six again whenever they feel like it. It has no, it makes no sense anymore. What you don't bring is care. You don't check on your <laughs> mate's family. You don't check on your mate. Well, I'm just glad you're getting getting better, and um, hope to see you back in full health very soon, T. Well, this is this is how this is how much you know me and how much you check on me. I've deteriorated since we last spoke. That is correct. So we've we've jumped on to finish this quickly and get over and done with. Guys, we're going to be taking applications. Um, <laughs> If, if because not only is this podcast coming to an end, but so is this friendship. Okay. Thing is, ordinarily these days, we'd be um, advertising on Instagram, but neither you or I know how to use it properly. So please write us a, write us a letter and mail us. Yeah, please. Please <laughs> mail us at P.O. Box. <laughs> let's get started. All G. right, let's... Let's get started. All right, let's get started. The top of the news week was obviously uh, George Burgess was charged, that we and we explained what the charges were last week. For some astronomical reason that I'm still yet to get my mind around. Saints named him in their 24-man team. Yeah, I, I actually noticed, I was like, hang on, he's been charged, but then he got named. I thought he wasn't allowed to be named anyway. So that was a bit no, of a No, 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 because they hadn't stood him down. So what Anthony Griffin came out and said was that um, they actually didn't have any details. So they wanted to name it, name okay. him in there, in case... It was rumours and there wasn't anything to it, or et cetera, et cetera. So they hadn't had any information. But surely discretion is the better part of valour here and you, you stand him down. It's just poor decision-making. This club makes really bad decisions, says the Parramatta supporter. Yeah, I know. I can understand what <laughs> their mentality was to a degree. But you know what? Just put it away and then let it sort itself out over the next week or so and then make a decision. So they should have just said, look, take the week off and see what happens. But... Yeah, I mean, far out. What do we say? We talk about this too often, basically, this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, you you know my views on the culture. I've mentioned it in weeks passing. Um, the worst part, not the worst part of it, actually, but 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 the other thing is it completely overshadowed the launch of uh, multicultural round for the NRL, which I think was a great initiative, but perhaps they could have given the comp more than three days warning that they were going to do it. Um, they decided <laughs> to launch it with that famous multicultural man, uh, Philip Ronald Gould at Belmore. <laughs> of course. Yes. Given he represents a very multicultural background in Australian, Irish and English. He does, but he's also um, advocated numerous times that the Bulldogs have outgrown their home and need to move to start a new club, which is actually quite a multicultural area. So thanks, Phil. We love you. Phil, well done. Been a fizzer. I mean, it's like, yeah, multicultural round and it's like this random token. Because they didn't gesture. do it. They didn't do it properly. But this is what I they mean. They didn't do it properly. Come on, That's NRL. Problem, right? They needed to announce it beforehand. Before the remember, season. Oh, we spoke about this. Oh. Remember, remember when they last had multicultural round and the Bulldogs came out with that multicultural jer- jersey with all the flags on it and stuff like yeah. that? It was a fantastic jersey. Yeah? yeah. And they could have done a multicultural jersey. I mean, they just needed a bit of forward planning. 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, good initiative. Hopefully they do a better job next year. But it just smacks of let's just ran- randomly name this round or the cultural round. It'll be, it'll be replaced by the Emperor round <laughs> next year. he got to sign up. To get a where, public where flogging, every, every team, every team has to sacrifice a goat in honor of Peter <laughs> Volandis before kickoff. Hey, you know you should have some goat curry. It's actually pretty good. A little bit, a lot Is of it? yeah. Right. Okay. Let's just keep moving then. Um, so, West Tigers. What a week in the press. There was three stories in the press this week about the West Tigers. Is this Lee Hadjipantelis are... leaking things, then pretending he doesn't no, know where it's no, coming no, this from? Is, this is Buzz. This is Buzz Rothfield okay. and 2GB um, today, actually. But but there were three stories about the West Tigers today this week. The first was James Roberts and Dane Laurie playing pokies till 10 p.m. Yes, and I believe it was the Great Northern Hotel in Newcastle on the night before a game, and this became a big deal on NRL 360 and through the news limit till 10 papers, p.m. Which I think. Well, I mean, does it bloody matter what they do the night before? I mean, I mean is they this really... They had one drink. They were, they're allowed to play the pokies. They're not doing anything illegal. They're 300 metres from the hotel room. That's what room. I was going mean, to say. What, no... what the hell is this? This is what I was talking about, the media sensationalism. That is such bullshit. If Dan Laurie and James Roberts are sitting there chilling out, like, if the coach and the team doesn't have a problem, I mean... The, the, they tried to make it a cultural issue, right? Of course. So, to say this team's losing, these guys, it's not a good look the night before, etc., etc. They're losing because they're not good enough, not because they're playing the pokies. The second story oh, far out. Yeah. was about James Roberts. Yep. Again, um, he had his phone in the dressing rooms. He was filmed with, you know, how they got cameras in the dressing rooms, 40 minutes before kickoff. Now, phones are strictly prohibited from the change rooms for obvious reasons because they don't want to associate with gambling or getting tips outside the, the, the bubble, so to speak. And the third one was today's, oh, actually yesterday's game. Or Friday night's game, whenever it was. Bloody hell, I'm, I'm losing track of days. Oh, was the weekend's game where there was a rumour that Robbie Farah was undermining Madge um, on the field to the players. Now, I've heard the alleged quote that oh, Robbie said, Jesus. and there is, abs- there is all, the, all three of these stories have nothing to it. What is it about the West Tigers? It's, it's the, is it just the fact that they're losing? They're a club under siege. They're just that they're losing, and to be honest, I think... The News Limited Press just works on the sensationalism and absolute bullshit. Like, we sit there, I look for some kind of, you know, analysis of the game at times that's missing, but this, you read about shit like this. So do I, G. I look for that in my podcasting partner. <laughs> well, you're going to have to look elsewhere. I should be on you know, G&T 360. But, um, you should, you should, you should do an RL360. You would absolutely be great. I'm in my element. But what about what happened on the weekend? I don't know. I didn't watch the game. But games. Dan Laurie was playing the pokies at 6.30 after dinner. He should be tucked up in bed with some hot milk. I think it's just they're making stuff up to try and make stories up because they're losing. I think that's all it is. And but it, it, they don't need it. I mean, I feel for I feel for the I feel for the Tigers because you know North Queensland, despite their win today, North Queensland don't cop this attention. There's a lot of out of town teams that don't cop this attention. Now. Correct. Yes. Oh, yeah, I just think they don't need to be piled piled on. You know what I mean? Like, they need a couple of wins, especially desperately. especially with. You know, stories that have no substance whatsoever. That's the other thing. Well, they're they're in desperate need of a win. Uh, they got the Tigers on a short turnaround as well. So, some more news. Um, Jermaine Asako was released by the Brisbane Broncos, which led to headlines saying he was going to be picked up by Parramatta. Exactly two hours later, he signed <laughs> with the Titans. So, was the Parramatta? I mean, look, there's rumours all the time. Was the Parramatta link? Was there any substance to that whatsoever, or not really? Yeah, yeah, he was negotiating with Parramatta by all accounts, but 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 Parramatta pulled out because they got a bit sus. Now it's a bit odd because he signed for Redcliffe, 
and for him to move his young family all the way to Sydney for six months didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't. I understand that. So maybe Para thought they were getting, you know, used as a negotiating. Well, Para needs outside backs, right? We we played Ray Stone at right centre, who was the game breaker. If I was Para, I absolutely would have signed Jermaine Asako. Him on that back line. I don't think you can blame Para for this. Yeah, probably did go as hard as they could, but you know he didn't want to they move. Did. Six month period. Right. It's a bit of a you're upending a lot of stuff just to move for a few months. God, you know what? It would have been a great signing for their team. Well, we need some outside backs. Yeah, he is a good good player. Although a bit rocks and diamonds, Jermaine Asako. He can be a bit rocks and diamonds. I think he'll be a great player in a few years, though. Also announced during the week, now that the travel bubble is officially, the travel restrictions between Australia and New Zealand are being lifted, the Warriors are finally back home from the 3rd of July. That's exciting. Um, Good on them. It's exciting. I think they'll sell out their first game at Mount Smart, Um, but Ewan Aitken has asked for a release one year early to stay in Australia because of family reasons. So he will play this season out with the Warriors, but then will have a new home next year in Australia. Um, Sorry? (laughs) You know what? They've been here for so long. They've sacrificed a lot of time with their extended friends and families when they're living in New Zealand to have them go back home. I think it's it's a sen- it's sensational. It's good for them um, as for the. And players. what do you think of you and Aitken? What do you think of the news about you and Aitken this week? With you and Aitken, oh Jesus! I, I, I'm I'm not in the business of repeating myself, G. Okay, keep it going. All right, let's move on to the next story. Now, it looks like Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant will re-sign with the Storm. Hughes on a six-year deal. Wow. Okay. From now. Wow. He's got two years to run, so it's a four-year extension. Yep. Um, it's six years from now. It's averaging 800K per season. He'll be 33 at the end of it. That's a big contract. Um, Harry Grant. Harry Grant's off contract at the end of next year, I believe. Um, and he's also signed for a $1 million per annum. Um, Cam Munster is yet to sign. He's on $1.1 million this year and then $1.2 million next year. And I believe the storm offer is eight hundred dollars a year. The Dolphins have reportedly offered him $1 million a year. The, the reason the Storm are offering him eight hundred dollars a year is because that's what they can afford under the salary cap by all accounts. Maybe they should get Philip Gould to um, help run their football department because that seems to help. But um, you can sort of, the fact that he's hesitating, I think tells you their offer isn't quite where he'd like it to be. I think he's going to go. I think Redcliffe, he can go back. He's from Queensland. Redcliffe, is a, it's a good opportunity. Half half the Storm team's already signed there. So it, it's not like he's leaving his teammates behind. So I think, I reckon Munster will go. And what about Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant re-signing? I think Harry Grant is a good signing. He's young. You know, he's got talent and he plays. He's got a lot of skills to his game. The Jerome Hughes signing, I think they need him. And I think it's just because he's comfortable in their structure, and they know him, they know he works hard, and he's gotten better every year. I think they're just comfortable with what he brings to the, to the team. And they probably feel like they can build other players around him. But that's an expensive contract for Jerome Hughes. I like him, and I think some, he has amazing games, but he, he has a few weaknesses that can be shown up sometimes. Okay, so let's just move on to the next news then. Um, G, what are your thoughts on Ewan Aitken? <laughs> I think he's fantastic. Do he's you? He's robust, Excellent. he's tough. He, he's um, he's a, a good player, Ewan Ekin. Right, that's got nothing to do with the news this week. So Peter Volandis, the emperor, predicted that no one should write off Wayne Bennett and he predicts the Dolphins, speaking of the Dolphins, to play in the finals in year one. What are your thoughts on that prediction? Why is Peter Volandis predicting these things in the first place? Well, this, is, this was going to be my point. I actually had the same view as you. I don't think... 
<laughs> the chairman of the Australian Rugby League Commission should be predicting where teams finish on the ladder. Call me old-fashioned, <laughs> but I just don't think he should enter into that debate. Like, it's not that I'm worried he's going to, you know, put influence on the comp, but I'm like, what, what is he even commenting on that for anyway? I love it. He's great. He does something every week that you're like, what the fuck? Well, if you read the newspapers, you'd understand more of what he does. <laughs> I don't think even if I read the newspapers, I would get half But anyway. All right. So let's keep moving. Um, an anonymous rival coach has labelled the Eels overrated, overrated pretenders, quote unquote, um, to, pro, to Paul Crawley in the Daily Telegraph. Now, given it's Paul Crawley, there are some usual suspects. There are three coaches in particular that he's very close to. So if you want to know where it came from. So um, my guess would be... Are they, are they overrated pretenders? You, you've got them as favourites for the premiership. I don't. I think that this year they have a real shot. I think, and we'll speak about this weekend's games, but I think that was a, a, a big indicator of how close they are because, yes, Melbourne has injuries, but that's, that's the game, right? And they've got some serious injuries to some of their depth, but it's evened out the comp a little bit. The one team at their best that I actually don't think any team can beat that I've seen so Panthers. far is Penrith. Because they play yeah. at a speed. And they've, got, they've got a lot of injuries. They've right? got injuries, but their line speed, the way it moves in attack and defence at when they're playing at their best, no one comes close to it. But the rest of the teams, I don't see why the Eels can't beat any of them. Like they've got they've got everything there and they've got um honestly super Clint Gutherson, the modern day Terry Lamb playing for them. I've got that point coming up. Yep, brilliant. Um, it's good that you steal these points. Um, so, so you don't have any original ideas. You don't watch the games, and you don't read any of the newspapers. What's old is new again. So, okay. right, right, right. I'm just right. recycling things. It does look like the New South Wales government is going to redevelop Brookvale at a cost of 180 million. Wow, that's a huge, that's a gigantic cost. I think it's great for rugby league. I suppose, or you can argue whether they should be. You know, the government should be spending that much money on a football ground when 12,000 people show up. But if they are going to do suburban ground renewals, then Brookvale is a, a good candidate for it. Okay, so you're in favour of that one. Yes and no. Yes and no. Part of me thinks there's a lot of social services that need support. No, I agree with that. I agree with the point you're going to make. You should go to hospitals. Yes, etc. correct. I 100% agree with that. But if you're going to pick a ground regardless, yeah. Yeah, I think it should go to Acor. Aren't they doing that anyway? No, I, th- I don't know. I don't know. It's gone very quiet on what they're going to do. Because yeah? yeah, there, there was all that talk about that they were going to fix that after they put the stadium in um, at Moore Park, well, after they built that. Problem is the capacity of these small stadiums. It's just not going to be a showpiece grounds for major events. So that's the problem. People in the Manly area get behind that team. You know, 12, 13,000 people today is a good crowd, but um, hopefully that starts to fill up that stadium. But it's good. It's good for Manly. It's excellent. Sam Walker gave an interview in the press, and I know you don't follow the rugby league, but yep. Sam's dad is Ben Walker. Yes, correct. He used to be a footy yes, player. Yes, I do know Ben Walker. You do know him. What's he like as a bloke? Very innovative, actually. Is he anything like you and Aitken? A lot more creative. He actually has a moustache and is paints he? on a canvas, yes. That drove his coaching, his coaching ideas. You have come in off the back fence today. <laughs> so Sam gave an interview in the press yep. during the week, um, and he said Ben, who coached him in Ipswich, and as you know, as we both know, and as we've mentioned in the pod before, Ben has unorthodox methods, Correct. which I think has got some merit. Yes, I do. Well, Sam said he wouldn't be playing NRL if he had to run block plays, and it got me thinking about Kyle Flanagan, who's reportedly on 600 grand a year at the Bulldogs. I, I, ho- I hope he's not on that much. 
Apparently he is next year. Oh, oh no, God, yep. The, and that's the problem with Kyle Flanagan, right? Is that he because the rules have changed on him, he's a block play, block play, kick to bomb, bomb to the corner Very guy. Very functional halfback. You know, without any of the spontaneity or the play off the cuff stuff that he needs with the new rules. No, he's And not that's like the that. problem for Kyle Flanagan. Having said that, we'll talk about Sam Walker in the Easts game. Um I think it's a little bit of too much too soon for him. I think last year was, you know, he, he played that many games out of sheer necessity for the Roosters. I love Sam Walker. I love the way he plays. I love the instinct. And it's funny you say that he was coached by his dad because he's obviously hasn't coached that out of him, right? I'm starting to sort of see what you, you're getting at. I think maybe he's got a, they've got to ease him in after another year. You know, sort of play him a few games, 10 or 12 games, and then maybe he inter- he um, interchanges with Lock- Lockie Lamb. You know what I mean? Uh, let's talk about it in the East game. But there's a lot of pressure on him, mate. The Roosters are a well-run club. They demand contention every year. So there's a lot of pressure on him. He's still a young kid. Now, I've got a few stories here. Payne Haas has signed with Tyron Smith's management company, which is uh, called Sports Player Management. Innovative name. The court case <laughs> is still going with the oars. <laughs> Ty- Tyron Smith, Tyron Smith, Tyron, Tyron, you're 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 from the mean streets of mascot, and you come up with sports player management. Come on. Anyway, so he's he's the dad of Remus Smith. In his stable is also Aiden Fanua Blake, DWZ, and Talakai, young Talakai from the Sharks. I was looking at that stable, and I was looking at Payne Haas, who's still got the six-year, six million dollar contract on the table from the Broncos. Yep. And I look back at Tyron Smith's career, and I go, is there any chance? Payne Haas isn't going to be recommended to move. Other than Talakai, all the others have moved clubs recently, and Tyron Smith played for seven different clubs. I think he'll move, for sure. I think the fact that he's got a million-dollar-a-year contract on the table at the Broncos, ready to go, and he hasn't signed it, speaks volumes because he's going to go out and see what's out there, for sure. Now, if anybody else comes really close to that or beats it, I think he's out of there. Can I, can I give you my tip? Yep. For where he's going to end up? Yep. I think he is going to be... The replacement for Jared Waria Hargraves. Oh, good call. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Because he's going to be coming off contract on big money at about the time that Payne Haas is going to be available. And it's just, it's just, it's a no-brainer if you're the Roosters, right? Oh, well, far out. Like, Payne Haas is, I would love to see him in the team that uses him as anything other than a battering ram. I've got four stories left. One is funny. The NRL has escalated its feud with the New South Wales Rugby League. And there's a story about this every week now. And it was a one-liner in one of the news articles. The NRL is considering launching a national reserve grade competition, or the clubs are thinking of launching a national reserve grade competition. Now, why this is so important is if you launch a national reserve grade competition, whilst I actually agree with the point, I don't like the reason they're doing it. The reason they're doing it is because then they don't have to funnel the funds through the New South Wales Rugby League. Oh, my God, jeez. You know what? I'm not even going to touch this. Like, that's not the reason why you force this. <laughs> the New South Wales Rugby League obviously runs the New South Wales Cup and the QRL runs the Queensland Cup. If you run a national reserve grade comp, you don't need the New South Wales Cup and the Queensland Cup. So it all comes under the clubs. Yeah, the that is banner. not the reason to But do having it. said that, I agree with the idea. I actually agree with the idea to have a national reserve grade. I agree. The idea makes sense. But, you know, there's a lot of history in the QRL and the New South Wales Rugby League. It's also, I know it makes sense for the NRL, but this is also part of a bigger community game and pathways, different pathways outside of the clubs that we've spoken about before, right? So they've got to think about that and incorporate that into their decision, not just we want to remove control from the New South Wales Rugby League and QRL. That, that's, that's the problem. 
But I do agree with the, with the idea, so it's a, it's a tough one for me. T, I agree with you. It makes sense to have make each team have a reserve team. They all play each other, and the players can all come through the clubs. But because of the way league structured, obviously, you know, in the history, you need to take that into account. And that's where I have zero faith in the NRL or the QRL or New South Wales Rugby League, to be quite blunt. Fair enough. Hard-hitting analysis from it a is. man who doesn't watch rugby league. Correct, it is. This you'll like, yep. given your history with the salary cap. Yes. The NRL is set to allow a proposal allowing Storm players to invest in an online betting agency owned by Storm chairman Matthew Tripp and Melbourne Storm owners News Corp. The investment will be outside of the salary cap. You know what? Can we just move on? I just can't even believe that's even been considered. Next. There's several layers to this story. What are you most... Well, let's just add this to page 364 of the NRL possible conflicts of interest list that, or the book that we've got that there's insider trading possibilities. It's a sports betting agency where the players are playing. You, you're reacting to this fresh. So I've had, I've had the benefit of being able to read and so I've had time to digest this. So, so in addition to all of that, so I, you can't ban people from betting, Correct. which is what they do effectively. Yes. You're not allowed to ban on the NRL. And then I think investments in... Sports betting agencies should be banned for all players. They shouldn't be allowed to do I agree that. with you. It doesn't fit with the ethos of the sport. So that's that's one thing. I know it's restrictive, but I totally understand why they have to be banned from it. Now, having said that, what the players invest in with their own money is their business, would be the argument against it. That's right. And they're getting an opportunity to invest in this that isn't open to other people because they know Matt Tripp. Of course. The chairman. Yep. Now, that happens in business all the time outside of a sporting context. That's right, right? yes. I don't necessarily disagree with the decision to have it outside of the cap, okay? but it does give you a mechanism to cheat the cap. Well, that's the thing, right? Like That's why it shouldn't be allowed no, at all. The chairmen are involved, the players are there. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. if to, Because what you can do is you can say, all right, you, we pay you a million dollars. If you want to use 200000 of your million to invest in this company... That's great. And we will issue you rights within that company for five to one in five years. So your 200 becomes, if everything goes according to plan, your 200 becomes one million. Yes, that's years. right. It's too easy to use it to rot the cap. It's ridiculous. And it's too close. It's too close to the too close. Too close to the club, right? But the flip side of this argument is it's their money. They should be allowed to invest it however the hell they like in the same way you and I are allowed to invest that's it right. however the hell we yes. like. That's right. Yes. It's restrictive on the players, I agree. But I think the fact that the person's comp- the person is the chairman of the actual club and it's outside of the salary cap i just think you, you can't do that but it should be outside of the salary cap you're not paying it in lieu yes, of salary I know. yeah correct I know. correct but it's too easy to use it to rot the cap it does create some loopholes that's right you know and then what what stops from investing you know in a in well, any I mean, other business that accounts, any of the, the bulldogs other players are are invested in uh, the chinese restaurant at Bull- correct at that's right directly invested their shareholders say so, yeah they, they eat a lot of food. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well played. In disgraceful news, um, Coda NASA gave an interview to Danny Widler. Of course, they're closed today in the paper. Did you read this? No, today? I didn't actually. But Coda NASA and Danny Widler, that's his uh, mouthpiece. So Effectively. <laughs> yes. So SBW had a fight this week with Barry Hall. Terrible. It was on Stan Sports as part of its foray into the fighting game. Coda NASA said it was offered to main event, which is owned by Fox yes. or News Corp. Yep. And they've done plenty of deals in the past around fights. Yeah, with Anthony like Mundine. Long history. Yep. Yeah. This time, though, there's been a change of management in whoever runs main event. And what they asked him about was um, Sonny Bill's look and what they could do about his look because he looked too Muslim. Ouch. But do you know what? To be quite honest, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. 
at oh, all. Oh dear, I'm I'm absolutely absolutely up in arms about it. That is disgraceful. No, this is what happens behind the scenes, right? And this is sure, but I'm not saying it's right. No, it's absolutely totally wrong. And Sonny Bill Williams, of all people, if he can't rise above that prejudice, how does that impact everybody else? Famous, he's he's a very good-looking person. By all reports, he's a he's a gentleman. He's kind and helps everyone around him and all that kind of thing. And yet he's still being asked to do that, even though he's the face of Stan for rugby and stuff like that. And he's connected with Nick Polites and things like that. So how does how do you think that impacts the ordinary person that has that look, right? And that look is diverse. It depends, I guess, on whether you want to attach that label to people or not. Well, the difference between you and him is Sonny Bill is tall, athletic, good-looking, had a professional sports career. But other than that, we're exactly the same. So, correct. you know, you look at the media landscape now, and we're talking about multicultural round in the NRL. If it's just me, to be controversial, the football coverage has become more, has lacked diversity. It's got. It's starting to get gender diversity, which is great. And you've got people like Alana Ferguson and Ruan Sims, who are, I think are fantastic. You know, but what, outside what did of that, Erin Molan. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't a fan of Erin Molan, to be quite honest. She wasn't a fan of you either. Every time I caught up with her, she said, "Gee, do you think he could do any prep?" I think at all she was show? a decent presenter, but I don't know. I want my analysts on the sport to know exactly about the footy. And I think, for example, Alana Ferguson is is great. She's better than. Yeah, I do. I think her analysis is great. Is that why you enjoy Paul Gallen? No, I don't. I don't think Paul Gallen is good either. To be honest, in this day and age, and then to hear it about Sonny Bill in particular, that, that's fucking disgraceful. Oh, it's dis- I was up in arms, I, and I'm making light of it because I'm so angry about it. But let's let's keep moving to the funniest story of the week. Brent Naden, they went around and interviewed. <laughs> and of course, it's yes, your club. Of course it is. Secret to Matt Burton's kicking. Did he have a secret kick? Did he practice it extra... And Brent Naden revealed that the secret to Matt Burton's kicking game is actually the size of his toes. He said... What? He said he's actually a size 10 shoe, but then has to wear an extra size, three sizes bigger because his toes are so long. Doesn't that make him a size 13? Yeah, correct, because of his toes. Now, gee, if I was I'm not wondering, do you have, t- do you on, have an on. abnormal hang on, t- appendage? Hang on, T. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the toes make up the foot so if your toes extra long the size of your foot is actually a size 13 not a size 10 i think you might be getting lost in the point that he's got that well i'd, I'd like to have you know that my foot size is actually a seven and my toes um are so long that i need to wear a size 11 shoe hasn't helped my kicking game well no no, no, no. it you've hasn't got, you've got an uh, abnormally small appendage do you want to mention that to the listeners I mean, have you have you officially got the people from Guinness Book of Records out to have a look? Yeah, I'd love them to come out and measure my toe. I think it'd be really interesting. Oh, yes, yes. Is that what you called it? You said they're measuring your toe. Yeah. Are there any other players with abnormal appendages, G? Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank comes to mind. <laughs> Harry Kuehl. Harry Kuehl. <laughs> All right. Only from Bulldogs. I believe his, um, Harry Kuehl's extra long toe is what caused him all these injuries. Came out of your club, mate. Maybe you should do some research into why it's coming out of your club all the time. I think we've just hired people with incredible smarts and wit. And, you know, they used, they dabble in a bit of you know creative comedy on the side. I look forward to the Perth Bulldogs playing yeah, out of so does feel good. Or well, he time. used to. Now, now he probably wants him to stay at Belmore. He's changed his mind for some reason. All right. Thanks, Phil. It was a great round of footy. Yes. It kicked off on the Thursday night with 
First up, it was the Dragons versus the Sharks. The Sharks got up 36 to 12. Um, it was torrential rain before kickoff. Um, and it was clear that the Dragons were affected by the George, George Burgess problems during the week. The Sharks' spine and Nico Hines in particular were great, but they were only able to dominate because the Sharks' forward dominated Saints, especially Talakai and Nikora. Yeah. I want to bear this. I want you to bear this question in mind before I go through what happened in the game. Yep. Have we underestimated the Sharks? I said they'd be pushing for a top five spot, but maybe we've actually undersold them. They've been really I've, good so I far. think we said that. They'd be pushing seventh for sure, and maybe a six, depending on how far South falls behind. They have been for me so far. Uh, look, other than say like a Penrith or whatever, are they a top four team? I think absolutely they can be a top four team. Yes, I do. I think Fitzgibbon has made a huge difference, and I say that because all their players look extra fit, fitter than they've ever ever have. They 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 play fast and they play with a lot of depth. And they're mixing their attacking game up. So I agree with you. I agree with you for, but but for none of those reasons, none of those reasons do I agree but with I you. But I think he's brought a different culture to the team, and the team is playing. Differently. I agree with that bit. I agree with that. I don't know that they're playing that differently. No, I think what they've done is, and he admits this in his own. There's a there's a reason why the other teams are complaining about their physicality. Yes, he's got them playing really tough. He ha- he is yes that's what I mean yeah, I think and he's so changed in that culture. way he's changed the culture yeah he has tough so- but not dirty this is the thing I- no they're dirty you reckon they're dirty yeah they're dirty okay fair but enough. but dirty within the spirit of rugby league right not not Nelson Asofa Solomon are dirty I think Craig Fitzgibbon's got to be careful dirty. because when you're dirty and you're the Roosters you get away with it but if you're dirty and you're another team you don't well I mean it's things like roughing up the halfback it's things like oh that, yeah that oh are, yeah you know that that go on in the game they do all they that do, sort of stuff but- within the game but Saints were in this game they were until Jaden Sewer was sinned second week in a row fifth time since 2019. And the Sharks put on 10 points while he was off the field. Yeah. First, Katoa was put over by Jesse Ramian flick pass, which was great. And then Ikevalu got one at the other side of the field. The game was then put to bed by halftime when Nico Hines laid on a cross-field kick for Talakai before potting a penalty goal to send the Sharks to the sheds up 18-0. Um, the, the Dragons did threaten a comeback early in the second half when Jack Bird scored and Lomax converted to make it 18-6. But the Sharks just accelerated and kicked away again with tries to Jesse Raymond. Ramian Hamlin Ueli and a great solo try to Nico Hines to make it 32-6. In the last 10 minutes, Jesse Ramian and Andrew Fafita were binned and the Dragons scored through Jack Kosiewski. But the Sharks were desperate in the last two minutes when they only had 11 men. And that's what I reckon about their culture. They wanted, they were so desperate not to concede another try. The other thing that I was really impressed by by the Sharks was they threw the ball around in the wet weather and it stuck. Yeah. Like, that was brave of them to play that way. What did you think of this game? I thought it was quite a tight game. I thought the Dragons and the Sharks played pretty well in the conditions. The conditions were very bad, actually. Did you think it was a tight game? It was only a tight I, game. At the start. I think got... until Jaden Sewer got Simbin. But... Once he got Simbin, that was And it. that's the thing. I still think the Dragons did okay defensively, but the Sharks got them twice on each, each end, but solely through great execution at speed so the dragons were still there in defense they just couldn't close the gap with the extra man there was you know the second try they scored they had Hines, moylan and kennedy there was a bit of luck to it gee gee it in those conditions yeah you know those passes only stick 50 percent of the time they do right? but the thing is right they shifted the second try specifically they shifted across and then you had Hines, moylan Kennedy all coming at pace and putting players over and eventually they just it was a little bit too slick for the Dragons then William Kennedy's tackle on Ben Hunt to hold him up 
And instead of being 10-6 and the Dragons being right in there, we saw it still in the bin. And after that, then they just scored the try to Talakai off the bomb. And then all of a sudden, it's pretty much 16-18-0 at halftime. Um, and like you said, when Bird charged over at the beginning, I thought, hey, you know what? The Dragons are going to come out and make this a game. They just kicked they off. They just kicked off. And then, like you say, their spine, it's all working. Moylan's looking better and better every week. He's actually evading tacklers now. He hasn't done that in a couple of years, right? So... And he's still yeah, got his yeah. ball Matty playing. Yeah, was, Will Kennedy's following yeah, him yeah. around. Will Kennedy's starting to pop up on both sides of the field. I've been in, and Brayley, Brayley, and I think I think the spine. Blake been Brayley's really good. been fantastic. They got the Knights this weekend as well. I think that'll be a cracking game. And I think their forwards are really good. Toby Rudolph's taken up another step. Um, Braden Hamlin Ueli, I think, has taken his game to another level. And I think that's fitness. They can play with a faster intensity for longer. They're fitter this year, the Sharks. Hunt tried really hard for the Dragons. And the Dragons kind of tried for most of the game. But to be honest, ultimately, the Sharks in attack had too much variety for them. They just had too much skill with the footy. And they were too good. Other than that period that stuffed them before halftime, were that bad? Well, I think the Dragons made... Oh, you don't? I don't think so, no. I just think... Oh, no, I thought the Dragons were terrible. Okay, I don't think they were as oh, bad yeah, as they yeah. were made I to didn't look. Think, I didn't... No, no, no. I think the Dragons were terrible. The, I thought I thought the whole George Burgess thing during the week affected them. This is not a team that reacts well to adversity. Off the They've field. had a fair bit. That got proven last year. Yeah, I just... I don't, I don't think they were good at all. Patterns of play, T, right? And the Sharks have changed the way they play for me, and they're, da- they're a dangerous team to, to face. They have changed the way they play, but I think a lot of it's in their attitude too. It is, but I'll go back to last week, and I thought Para defended them really well, and Para was also lucky not to concede six tries. Para defended them, defended them really well down that... Down that. And, and I still think they could have scored, though, unlucky. Are you watching footy? Yeah, I am. I think Para defended them pretty well. And what part of our right edge impressed you last week? I think you underestimate the Sharks' attack. I think they... They made Para really, really struggle in defence. I don't think Para's defence was bad. I don't. Para's conceded 30, 24, and 18 in the three games this season. Yep. And you're com- complimenting them on their defence. Well, I thought the Sharks the shark scored in the last minute last week, right? So I, I thought they defended pretty well. I thought they defended fantastically against the Storm as well. You can't hold out these oh, big gee, teams. So nah, I, th- I, gee, look, nah, I, I disagree don't know, I don't know. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're watching. Even the players come out afterwards and go, and the coaches go, we've got to improve our defence. Yeah, but, mate, if they let in more than one try, they say they've got to improve their defence. No, they don't. No, they don't. Gee, we're conceding three, anywhere between three and five tries a game at the moment. Anyway, so I think the Sharks have been fantastic so far. Yeah, the Sharks have been good, but um, clearly clearly, you're only watching one side of the ball. Let's, <laughs> let's no, Probably. If anyone makes a tackle, you're like, they're great. That's they're a great. Ma- ma- magnificent <laughs> tackle. I'm blown away that you think Paris. They bring back well. Chica Ferguson. That's who I want. And what about what about Saints? We're not in this game, other than for a grand total of seven minutes. And you're like, they didn't play that bad. Okay. Uh, I think they fell away at the end, but I don't think up until <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the last thirty-seven minutes. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, I know. I think they. I think they were okay. I don't think the Saints were any. I thought. I, I, do you, have you have you spoken to a Saints supporter? I'll try not to. Yeah, I think they might be on. They'll my probably side. blame the refs. You know why? You know why though? You know why? Because they actually watch the games. This is where you'll you'll get you'll 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 pick these things up when you start watching the footy. Buddy Ashley Klein, he let he, his decisions led to seven tries. Well, but they were amazing in defence. Let's let's move on to the Friday night game. I felt I tipped the Tigers. I felt sorry for them. The Tigers trailed 14-12 at halftime, but were the better team in the first half. With the Warriors only scoring because of Norfolk Luma and Dane Laurie. 
beaten in the air off kicks. Um, the Tigers had Momolo and Robertson Hastings ruled out before kickoff, although Stafford Toa, who replaced Ken Momolo, was great for the Tigers. In the first half, Luciano Leilua also grounded a Luke, Bur- Luke Brooks grubber, but the referee ruled a knock-on without sending it upstairs. The Tigers fans must have been, and, and I know from the reaction afterwards that they are filthy about it because it was a dead-set try, and in the end, that's what cost them the game. In the second half, Harris Tavita tried to milk a penalty by staying down after a tackle by Seifarth, who was great. He was a lot of effort. He was, he was all 100 miles an hour, but no penalty was given right. And then Chanel Harris Tavita, because he was trying to milk the penalty for the head high tackle, the bunker sent him off for a HIA. So he missed 15 minutes that. trying to milk the penalty. Good. That, was, that was fantastic. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant by the bunker. The Warriors extended the lead in the second half through a penalty goal, and then Dane Laurie absolutely butchered a try after regathering a kick, but dropped it when trying to ground the ball with one hand. Dane Laurie is woefully out of form at the moment. He's, he's a confidence guy because he, he's heavily involved all the time, and I think once his confidence drops, he's he's a bit hesitant because he's a small guy, right? So he's got to be aggressive, and I think once his confidence isn't there, too, he's, he hesitates a bit. And it just leads to mistakes, right? Maybe, maybe, but but he hasn't played. He's not playing well. And and Montoya was sinbin with twelve minutes to go. Um, and I thought, oh well, here comes the Tigers, right? But the Tigers produced some really poor football against twelve men. They didn't complete a set. And Luke Brooks has got to carry a bit of that on his shoulders. The halfback's got to get you around to the right parts of the field, and ensure you complete your sets when you when the opposition's down to twelve. But both Luke Brooks and Dane Laurie are out of form. In the end, a Reese Walsh cover tackle on Toa at the end of the first half, and the ref's decision to da- deny Leilua, and the Tigers' lack of composure against 12 men cost them this result. The other thing is too, let's be honest now, Luke Brooks is a veteran. He's not a youngster anymore. So well, he's middle-aged. Not, I mean, he's yeah, not, but he's, he's played not, what? He's how not many games? Either. No, he's not. But he's played how many games? A lot of games. How many games has he played? Be upwards of close to what 160. Correct. Something like that. Yeah, so, you know, he's got to sometimes step up for this stuff, right? Yeah, he's played 174 games. I think those initial expectations have got to disappear on him. He's got, he's not like physically lacking. He's, he's got, he can still run, he can step, he can play. There comes a point where you come on, come on, Luke, you've got to just impose yourself at times during a game. Luke you know? Brooks has been a starting halfback since 2014 yes. in the NRL. Yeah? yeah, that's a long time. In that time, his teams have not had a greater, in any one season, a greater winning percentage than 50%. Yeah, correct. That's right. That's what I mean. Like, I, I, I would love for him to have a great season, but I just think in a game like this, this is where his experience, he's, he's got to step up and, and lead the team. And I don't mean lead him around the park, but he's got to do something. You know, he's got to get the game by the scruff of the neck sometimes. Now, I don't know whether that's tactics or whatever it is or coaching, but... You know, he's, he's played almost 200 first-grade games. Exactly. Warriors, they're down to 12. I mean, that was his opportunity, right? He could have got them home. Yeah. It was their lack of composure, and you've got to put a lot of that on the halfback. It was the decision to deny Leilua, and it was the, and it was the Reese Walsh tackle at the end of the first half. They were the three turning points in this game. Other than that, those outside of those three things, the Tigers were the better side. I would agree with that. If your team's not playing that well and you're struggling a little bit to... Those margins make such a difference. There's one or two little... I mean, that happens in a lot of games, but these teams need kind of every bit of luck to go their way because they just don't have the same talent, right? So 
Unfortunately for the Tigers, I think in this game, they let themselves down a little bit. And also, some of those calls just didn't quite go their way or, you know, lucky bounce here or there. I think the Warriors were incredibly lucky to win. I don't know what I think of the Warriors. I mean... The Warriors have got the Broncos. The Broncos were diabolical in the second half today, but um, that'll be an interesting game. In this game, I just think the Warriors ultimately had a little bit too much class in attack to win the game. They scored a couple of those extra tries to win the game, but I don't think they were the better side, really, over the course of the 80 minutes. So they just had that tiny bit extra. Well, the Tigers, it doesn't get any easier for the Tigers. They got the Titans this weekend. That, that, That game could be 50 to... 10 or it could be 40 nil at half time and then 46 to 40 with the Tigers winning the way things are going. I don't I don't know I don't know how the Tigers will score 40 points. The way they're playing at the moment, I just I just can't see anything but a Titans win anyway. We'll cover it off in this preview. Close game it's though. A close it was a tense game, game and you kind of wish the Tigers kind of got this victory. They they tried hard, but this is like last week, right? Against the Knights, they were comprehensively beaten. But just through the talent and the play, I thought they tried hard. They just weren't good enough. And they tried tried hard against the Storm in the first yeah, week too. Yeah, so I think the effort's there, but they just they need everything to go their way to win the game at the moment. And when it's not going their way, they haven't got anybody to take charge of the game and take control of it. So it's a season of struggle. And But, you know, usually you know I'm not a huge fan of Madge, Maguire, but I think <laughs> That's yeah, they're playing with the right spirit. They're just... To rub salt into the wound, Stefano's been out, ruled out for 10 weeks with syndometriosis. Oh, wow. Okay. Not good. Not good. He's been one uh, of their better, better, more explosive or dangerous players, I guess. I'm guessing I broke that news to you. Yes, correct. That's right. Gee, can we just make a deal? Can you just do something to follow the footy next weekend? I've watched all the games. I've got COVID. I'm dying. And yet, <laughs> you just didn't notice that Stefano got injured. But the good thing is, though... Cody Nicarima was Clearly back. Not. No, Cody Nicarima was back, and um, that was—I think—that made all the difference in the world for the Titans, the Titans, the Warriors. Jesus, fucking hell! Sunday nights, go, mate. It's the twilight. Zone I know it is. It's you. a full moon, and there's no full moon. It's um, we we spoke about this, but Nathan Brown. I mean, has he improved the Warriors at all? Well, he's mates with the CEO, though. He's not going to get sacked, right? I don't want him to. It's just yeah, you do. You just secretly you do. I know the way you But work. then again, you, just, you, you know, but they've got some... I mean, he was, he got COVID and he, he was asked, has anyone reached out? And he said all his mates had reached out to him. <laughs> Great, no. But they've got some talent, the Warriors, and hopefully they can build on this victory and sort of start to play a bit better okay. Go. Enough about the Warriors. Let's move on to... Actually, wait a minute. I've got one question for you. Yeah. Zane Musgrove. Yes, G. Do you know which club he plays yes, for, I G? Yes, I do. It's not... Okay. It, it's not the Knights. How do you think he's getting to the games? Someone's obviously giving him a lift. Okay. Are you sure? He clearly knows how to use an Uber. Yeah, he clearly no, knows how to use an Uber. Just checking. Yeah, he really needed to, to you work know, that out earlier. The next week he'll be ruled out because he was yeah, arrested with his halfway. lights off in this car. Yeah, yeah that's halfway right. Halfway to the game. Are you Zane Musgrove? No, I'm Corey Norman. <laughs> so, so. Matt Dufty will run past and pick him up the yeah, highway. Go. Having the Tigers Warriors up at 6pm on a Friday and then having South's Roosters, the difference in quality between the games was chalk and cheese. Oh, you can see the difference between and better teams. Massive yes. difference. Yes. Massive difference in the quality of the game. The other point I'll make is if the Tigers and Warriors are outside the top eight and we, we just having those games back-to-back can see the difference in quality, what the hell are Redcliffe going to do when they come into the comp? Apparently they're going to win the comp in the first year because Wayne Bennett's the coach. So. The, the Emperor. 
So anyway, Souths and Roosters was up next. Um, Souths got this one, got the chocolates 28-16. They've got some ridiculous scoreline over the last four games over the Roosters, like 154 to 42 or something like that. Souths dominated territory and field position early, 73% of the ball in the first 15 minutes, and went ahead through Cam Murray, who was absolutely bloody brilliant on the night. Then after 20 minutes, Joey Manu took a bomb on the full raced to the 20-metre line, took the tap, gave it to Teddy, who passed to Billy Smith, who dropped it cold. Jeez, Billy Smith's had a poor start I was going to, to say, watching the game, they oh. were having to go at, at Teddy, but he gave him a ball right there for him to just streak away, oh, yeah, and he yeah, dropped yeah. it. He's just, but, he, but, but if you ask the Roosters supporters, Billy Smith has not had a good start to the season. Uh, Souths picked it up, and AJ scored untouched to make it 12-0. A few minutes later, Joey Manu, right footstep, Right hand offload and Teddy scored to make it 12-6 at halftime. Great first half, especially after the Tigers-Warriors, as we mentioned. Um, what really makes a big difference to Souths is completion rate. Not from, Because they've got so much attacking intent, when Souths complete at a high percentage, it means they're getting a lot of ball and they're giving them... Because they, they're not a team that plays boring football. No, they are. Like the Bulldogs last year would complete 20 out of 23 sets. Correct, yeah. They, had they a... wouldn't throw the ball no. around. South completing 20 out of 23 sets. They're actually holding the ball and throwing it around a bit. The Roosters only completed 10 out of 17 in the first half. So that was a big difference. They just kept giving the pill back. From kickoff, Burgess dropped the ball, which for long-time listeners of this pod will know is a rarity and never happens with the Burgess brothers. And, and the Roosters spread the ball to the right edge and Manu stepped Liam Knight to make it 12-10. I think with the Burgess brothers, genetically, they've obviously got, you know, the same size. I think they've also been genetically gifted with the same handling. Because <laughs> yeah, it hand runs through the family. It's terrible. None of them can catch a no, ball. No, I know. Three, three, three minutes later, Cam Murray put Cody Walker through. Souths targeted the Roosters' right edge. Sam Walker is a real defensive liability. And at this point in the game, it was 18-10 to Souths, but it was Cam Murray versus Joey Manu. That's what this game essentially boiled down to. Um, Souths continued to dominate, especially target Sam Walker and Tupanua. Tupanua had a rough night, but he was left one-on-one because of the gap Sam Walker was keeping on the left edge. Yeah, there. they weren't. I didn't feel like they were in sync, T, in defense. Like, Walker would rush out and Sitili would stay and vice versa. You're taught... Well, it's not It's not Tupanua, though, right? Because you're taught to stay in the line and Sam Walker was rushing out. Daily Cherry Evans does a bit of that as well, yes. which is why he's a defensive liability as well. But... What it got me thinking was, Sam Walker looks great with the ball in his hand, but I'm not sure he's a first grader. Just defensively, he's too, too big a liability. And Tupanua can't defend three players down that side all by himself. He needs a halfback that is going to make a tackle, or at least defensively read it. So I think I think that's a real I think it's a real problem, that edge. You, you watch it, and you watch the replays. It, it totally looks like Tupanua you know, didn't cover the gap, but do you think he just lost, lost a bit of faith? In his in Sam Walker, have a look at the replay. Yeah, and have a look at the gap they're running into. Oh, it's huge. But which shoulder is it for Tupanua? Oh, it's on his left shoulder. It's on his left shoulder. Yeah. Who's 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 defending to the left side of it? It's Sam Walker. I know. On each occasion, so, I'm so like, that's the whole. That's the whole. So do you think hit? he's like thinking to himself, "I've got faith, Sam is there, and Sam's just <clears> not I reading think, it I think, properly." I think Tupanua, no, I think I think the Roosters are really well disciplined. I don't think they do those shortcuts in defence. I think he was doing exactly what he was meant to do. I think it's Sam Walker that's out of position. That's that's my view on it. I, I'm not sure he's a first grader at the moment. Yeah, he looks great with the ball in his hand. He throws the ball around, does magic things. He's unconventional and all the rest of it. But, mate, he is two or three tries a game, Jamal Fogarty level at the moment. So 
They dominated, targeting that, as we mentioned, Sam Walker and Tupanua, and had two tries disallowed before Kaloa Matangi scored down that exact space. It was 24-10 with 15 to go. Two minutes later, Latrell pounced on a poor pass from Luke Keary to ran to race 60 metres and score 28-10, but the scoring wasn't finished, and on the left edge, Momorowski put Tupu away to make it 28-16, which is the way it ended. Cam Murray was superb, as was Joey Manu, but the Roosters' left edge is a real problem. Um, Jason Dimitri's first win of his career as a head coach and South's first win for this season. I thought, I thought it was a good game. It was a good game. Um, you know, like you said, the start that the Roosters had was was not good. Um, South came out on fire, I thought, and then they really made it count with those two tries, one off the error. But the thing is, they were opportunistic. And Cam Murray really was responsible for both of those. Just playing... I don't want to say eyes up footy, but like really looking at where to attack and being aggressive with his running and his passing. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Um, like we talked about already, I thought the Billy Smith thing was overblown. I thought Teddy was, you know, Shane Flanagan was talking about them being impatient. There was a clear opportunity to put him away with no one home, and it just got dropped. You got to you got to take that risk, right? I thought it was Billy Smith. I thought it was absolutely it was Billy Smith. But it was interesting listening to them talk about. Oh, you've got to be patient with the footy. Well, you pass it if the guy can run 80 metres with no one in front of him, right? But Shane Flanagan's talking about it like a coach. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting listening to Shane Flanagan too, talking about how to minimise risk every time someone's playing. Joey Manu, I thought, stepped up for the Roosters to sort of bring them back into the game. And when he put Teddy over as well. But I thought the Roosters sort of struggled a little bit with the enthusiasm of South. I thought South came out in general really fired up. Well, before the game, they Trent Trent Robinson said, "Oh, we're going to try and stay calm. The emotion hasn't worked for us." But Souths were up the whole game, and I thought the Souths were. were very emotional and really into, like it was a big game for them and stuff like that. And I just thought they kind of dominated field position for a lot of the game as well. And it was good to see Lachlan Ilias have a steady game. Yeah, he's had a couple of rough ones. Yeah, so, so like steady, you know, did the right things. His kicks weren't too bad. You know, defensively, he, he put his body on the line and it was really good. I love Joey Manu's try in the second half to bring the Roosters back. Great solo try, really. Stepping past everybody to bring the Roosters back. But then it was just Cam Murray, again, creating three tries, basically scoring one and creating two, all off his own enthusiasm and skill. I, I want to ask you a question, right? I think the Roosters, even though I thought... At, they played well in patches yesterday or on against South, but I reckon they're really struggling with this shift to being able to give a penalty now and have a shift in field position. Because I think the six again rule kind of really suited their defence generally without all the 74 injuries last year. Because they've got a really strong defence. But now they're giving up field position with some of their... And they've always been a little bit... They push the envelope a little bit, right? They've always been like yeah, that. Yeah, they're the most penal. They've, they've consistently been the most penalised team. Yeah, because the they have yeah, utmost faith right. in their defensive line. But now it's costing that's them field right. position again. Well, I don't think it's field position. I just think I just think when they were really good, they had Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner there. Tough, aggressive that defenders. Wasn't Sam Walker, right? Yeah. Who was the who? Who was it? it was Mitch, Mitch Pierce, Pierce, Cooper Cronk, Luke Keary. They were halves who could tackle. Yeah, so I think I think the personnel changes have hurt their defensive line more than... You're right You're right in, cer- in terms of them backing their defence. I think you're right on that point. I'm not dismissing that. But I think they're making unroosters-like mistakes in reading. I think they're going to need time to adjust because they've literally changed their whole back line again. So they've got a couple of mainstays, but their forwards... But the back line doesn't matter. It's left and right. 
It's left and right edge. It doesn't matter. Backline. Everyone's different. And he keeps dropping Angus Crichton. Yeah. What's that? Can I ask? What do you? What do you? What do you he think does, that's he does about? Does it every season? Early in the season, he thinks it gives him a rocket. They only sign him for one season at a time. There's there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Obviously, they obviously but, know what he's but, like and what motivates yeah. him. So that would that that makes sense. And I thought, you know what, really good win for South. I thought Tane Milne played really well, which I was. Oh, he did play. Really he did well. right, but especially defensively. Yes, especially that's what I was surprised. Um, Maybe he's more of a, a, a just an Olam type of centre now than he is. They always, he always seems to play on the wing all the time, and I think on the wing he gets found out a lot. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the jury's out, but my worry is Justin Olam doesn't do what Justin Olam's famous for every time. He doesn't run out and smash someone every single time, No, right? he doesn't. So he's got a bit of discipline about him. Absolutely. You just remember the time where he like, literally... I'm just not sure that someone. Tane Mill has that I discipline. don't. That's why I mentioned he was, him. He was absolutely looking to hammer people. <laughs> yeah, look, that's why I mentioned it, because I thought, shit, he actually had a really good game defensively. So we'll see if that continues. But it was a good win for South, and I think they'll, they'll build on this. They needed, I think they needed that win. I think it was good for them. Like not because they they would have lost three in a row. I just think they haven't really played that well, and I think this is um a good a good win for them and a good performance. So let's keep going. Let's try and do this yeah. pod in under six hours. Yes. So let's move to Super Saturday. First game up on Super Saturday was the Panthers versus the Knights. The Panthers got this thirty eight twenty. Yeah, it was a game in front of a big crowd at Bathurst, and the Knights um got in the arm wrestle with the Panthers early, particularly targeting the inexperienced left edge of Isaac Tago and Taylor May. Um, despite this, the Panthers scored first through Taylor May, and both Tago and May were great in attack. Um, and, the, and the Knights finally got on the board through Dom Young and were actually in front 6-4. Kurt Mann then went for the world's greatest HIA after getting hit in the nuts. I don't know whether you saw that. No, I didn't actually see that. I must have missed it. Yeah, he got, he got hit in the Jats crackers, and then because he stayed down... The bunker thought it was a head dog. Yeah. And they sent him off for a head dog. They interviewed him on the sideline and he goes, I got hit in the other head. Well, he's not wrong, brilliant. right? It was just brilliant. Rugby league, it's just brilliant. But the game changed with seven minutes left in the first half when Mitch Barnett was sent off for elbowing Chris Smith off the ball. The Panthers then locked it up to make it 6 all with a penalty and then Taylor May got a second just before halftime to make it 12-6. The irony of Mitch Barnett getting sent off in multicultural round after his alleged incident with Tyrone Peachy a few years ago isn't lost on me either. Yeah. Um, the, the teams exchanged tries in the second half despite the Knights being down to 12. Tex Hoy was great coming round the back um, targeting the Panthers' left Absolutely. edge. He really tried. Yeah. It was 18-12 at this point, so the Knights were there or thereabouts. The Panthers then scored two quick tries to Tago and Crichton to extend the lead to 28-12 with 20 to go, but still the Knights wouldn't lie down, scoring down their left through Bradman Best to make a 28-16. And when Tuala got another with 10 minutes to go, you sense the Knights may have a sneaky chance at 28-20, but the Panthers kicked away again with two tries in the last five minutes, including Taylor May's hat-trick. Um, funny to say... But I was impressed with the Knights' effort with 12 men, despite conceding seven tries. Like, I'm usually the one... You're the one that's... I'm like, man, they scored scored 30 points. And you're like, but they let in 60. Why are you so happy? Yeah, but, you know, they conceded seven tries. But I was really impressed with the way the Knights applied themselves. Mitch Barnett will cop six to eight weeks. He had a complete brain explosion and deserves it. Absolutely was a total brain snap. And when they showed the, the pictures of him in the sheds... He cocked it. He could have done a hip and shoulder. He cocked, he cocked the elbow. his elbow and nailed him straight in the jaw. But for no reason. Like, he was covering... like Even, I think you just saw that. And afterwards, he was just like, what the fuck did I do? He's sitting in the shed just 
head in his hands because it was just... You know that look he had? You know that look he had in the sheds? That's the look our listeners don't get to see of you at the end of every pod. I'm trying to virtually hit you with an elbow. Um, you're, no, you're just, you're just trying to work out... What, what what did I just do? That's then? my Peter, that's my Peter Valandi's look whenever something comes up about him. But it just there was no purpose for it. Like that's the weird thing. He was running past him. It was way behind. It was a decoy. Yeah, yeah like, the ball's gone. Yeah, there was the no reason for it. You know what the weird thing is? He hits him a little bit lower, and no one thinks anything of it. But he nailed him right in the jaw, and it hit Chris Smith hard, and he went down straight away. So. And it was funny watching the game. It took a while to figure out what had even happened because no one even saw it. Um, a sneaky cheap shot that that basically landed by Mitch Barnett. So it was stupid. Well, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't. I don't think it was that sneaky. I think he. I mean, it was just a brain fart. You know what I, I mean, love about this stuff, though, just in general with the footy, is there's about seventy four cameras at every game now, right? And they still do yeah. all these sneaky things, thinking that no one can see, see it. They are footy players, G. Let's not forget that. I'm like, do you guys watch the game? There's like 57 cameras. They're looking at everything from every angle. They can zoom in to the inch, the inch of grass that you're sitting on, but they still do shit anyway. Um, I was like, you impressed with the Knights. I I thought the Panthers ultimately had a little bit too much class when they needed to, but they had to really score some good tries to keep the Knights away, who played most of the game with 12 men. Um, and, and just at the end there, I thought Clifford's conversion, I think, just deflated their spirit a little bit. I think if he nailed that at 28-22... Oh, yeah, with one try to go. But, I mean, it was, it was always uphill, but they, it was, they did really well It was, men. absolutely. But I thought if he nailed that, I think they would have gone, you know what, we can get these guys. But having to score twice again, I think they just sort of ran out of time. But... Um, Gagai's added, I mean, he's, he's passed to Young at the start. He's still got a little he bit of... He started the season off. Dane Gagai, he is on fire. I thought Crichton had a really good game again. He looks explosive again in attack and has played, I think, really well for the, for the Panthers. Talon May, mate, good game. Second game in first grade. He, he's, he's a bit sharp and I'm looking forward to seeing him and Targo play a few games together because the first try where Targo stepped in his balance and in his kick, that was just... Brilliant football. I love that. That was awesome. They, they, they are a bit young. They are a bit green in defence, though. And the Knights went down to 12 before because they did target they them. They targeted them, yeah. And you could see that they the reads weren't quite right or they weren't really working yeah, together right. properly right. yet, right? But, um, you know, just good footwork, good football. And the Knights, mate, they played really well. They were gallant. They hung in like they did last year. They were defensively relatively solid. But some of the play to put Tex Hoy away and Tex Hoy looping around the back. I thought Tex Hoy had a great had game. A fantastic game. Um, the try where they put did put Tuala over to make it 28-20. Um, brilliant football. Opportunistic from... We talked about Kurt Mann. I think the Kurt Mann experiment is working. It's giving them, like you say, that it is working. playmaker. It is working. And ball, mate, ball player. And, and the fact that he can go for a HIA after getting hit in the Yes, nuts. just makes him an, uh, an all-rounder. Well, I did feel sorry for the Knights because when they came back to 18-12... They were in the game They were in the game. The but that Targo try, Luai was offside. He was in front of the kicker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was. Uh, can I just say, I didn't mention it in the lead-up, the refereeing this round was abominable. Okay, thank you. Because in every other game, they're like, that's a you're, you're inside the 10. The, Bro- the Broncos' penalty try today, there was like... 14 50-50 decisions that had to go their way. <laughs> Herbie Farnworth only had to run 35 metres across like, to score a try. Oh it's a penalty God. try. <laughs> Thank God. Bloody, oh God. Anyway, Paul Vorton was the only person that's like, oh, I'm not quite sure he would have gotten there. It's like, 
Yeah, how about that? What about who was it? Was it Cam Smith that goes, what about the other two Cowboys yes, players there? Yes, that were there Maybe near the ball. No, of getting of to the ball. Not. It was a good win for the Panthers. They did what they had to do. And at times their back line just created that. They executed so fast that they... They use the extra space of that extra man that they had. It'll be interesting to see whether the press comes out because they're all mates with Volandis, whether they give the refs a hard time because the refereeing this round was oh, It was fucking terrible. By the way, outside of, for the first three rounds, can we just can we just remove forward passes altogether? Like, are they even calling forward passes anymore? No, they're not. They're not. They're clearly not doing the microchip in the ball. No, they're not. Absolutely not. But great performance with 12 men for the Knights. I tipped them I and... You know what? They remain so impressive, so and I. the Panthers still impressive with a lot of injuries and still a little bit too good for a good team. But you and I are running last and second last in the tipping comp at the moment. Yeah, I just think we just leave these bits out because then it makes us look like we don't know what we're talking about. Because <laughs> we don't. All right. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. But it's, good sign, it's Knights fans, right? Far out. Good sign for the Knights fan. Let's move on to the game of the season so far. Gee, I had, um, after your ridiculous comments earlier in the pod, I've now looked up the defensive records of all the teams. You'll be happy to know that Para has the third worst defensive record in the comp so far. Holy crap. Could you imagine how much we'd concede if we, were, if we weren't defending Titans well? Titans and the Titans. If we weren't no, defending yes, well? Probably about 80. The Titans are the Titans. They can either score 64 in half, by halftime or they don't score at all. They're all over the place. We've, we've, we've conceded only four points less than the Titans. But you did play the Storm, and that game, I thought, anyway, let's continue. We'll talk about this in, in the Storm and the Eels breakdown. The Eels' defence was not good, but it was a great game. It was the game of the season so far. Melbourne started the better with a try to Brandon Smith through the middle, even though Bromwich was tackled and should have been called held before the offload to him. Yes. The Storm also had a try to Nick Meaney disallowed when Justin Olam ran into the inside shoulder of Mitch Moses on a decoy play, and Justin Olam got these wrong pretty much consistently all night. He did, yes. There was like numerous... This is what I mean. What the fuck is a bloody obstruction and what isn't anymore? Justin Olam just runs no, into people. it's very simple. Like... No, it is. It, it okay. is. It is. The rules are pretty clear. Para leveled things up after Dylan Brown, and his, I think it was his best game in the Neil's jersey, jersey, made a break and sent modern-day Terry Lamb Gutho over yes, to make it 6 absolutely. All. Dylan Brown then sent a beautiful cutout past to Wonga Blake, who went over... Uh, Pappenheisen like Jonah Lomu to give the Eels a 12-6 lead. That was a great try by Wonga Blake. He usually, he was aggressive and really attacked the line. Usually would have tried to jump from 10 metres out and lose the ball. But, <laughs> he would have, yeah, yeah, but you know what? It was, a good try. it was a good try. Good on Wonga Blake. It's good to see him but playing well. I like him. It is. Well, he did have a shocker in the he second He did, half, unfortunately. Like last week, the Eels, the Eels lose concentration easily and the Storm scored through Nick Meany before halftime. Although, again, I thought it was an obstruction by Olam in the lead-up. I thought it was another obstruction by Olam. Anyway, it was 12-all at halftime. It was a frenetic start to the second half with the Eels nearly scoring before Cam Munster, who was absolutely superb, kicked early on the tackle count for Nick Meany to score to make it 18-12. I thought that try was brilliant. The Eels again the Eels again fought back and once again leveled the scores after Opacic scored off a Mitch Moses kick to make it 18-all. The game then changed with Bailey Simonson being ruled out with a HIA and Ray Stone coming on to play right centre. And he scored for the Eels with 10 minutes to go after a knock knock back off a kick. So Mitch Moses bombed it. He knocked it back. It was going to go forward, but then he pushed it onto Nelson Asofa Solomona's head. Oh, yeah. It bounced back oh, to yeah. his arms and he went over to score. Um, and Ray Stone, what a, what a man, what a myth, what a legend. We were up 24-18. I'm screaming at the TV at this point. But the storm spine combined at the death. You never write the storm off. Smith, Munster, and Pappenheisen for Pappenheisen to score and make a 24-all and golden point. 
In Golden Point, the Storm received the ball at the end of the set and kicked to Wonga Blake, who dropped it, who dropped his third defensive kick of the night. But it fell to Gutho, who made a break down the left end. Yeah. And at the end of the set, Moses kicked a field goal that hit the post and bounced for Raystone, who did, it looks like an ACL, scoring and giving the Parramatta Eels the win. Brandon Smith, Cam Munster were great, and Dylan Brown, I thought, was man of the match. The Parramatta right edge is still a problem. Um, Nelson Asofa Solomona's hit on Makahisi only copped a fine, which was disgraceful. It should have been a suspension. Um, the match review. I love how fired you up. You fired up. You get. If oh, someone, the, if have you someone, seen the hit? Have you seen the hit? Have you seen the hit? Yeah. Well, you know whose fault that is. It's bloody Makatoa's fault. You want to go target Nelson Asafa Solomona, the biggest guy on the field, and you've got a, so you you've got a cheap shot hit to the head. Is is Nelson Asafa Solomona's not not his fault? A cheap shot. Makatoa. Have you seen it? Gee, have you genuinely seen no, it? No, it was a cheap shot. He should be suspended. What I'm saying is that McIntyre wants to go challenge all these big monsters, but he has like a set of peroxide blonde hair. He's not exactly, he's exactly hard. He's not exactly hard to pick out. It doesn't. Oh, I'm so glad you guys lost the manly. <laughs> Fuck. This is why. This is why people hate the dogs. You know what? It was actually a cheap shot. Cheap shot hidden in a gang in a tackle of three. That's what it was hard to see. And you know, even the fact that. Fox Sports did not send any of their commentators to Melbourne. Didn't affect me. What a win. What a man. I hope Ray Stone's okay. Have you got anything to say about how magnificent the years were? <laughs> um, I did call you after this, and I actually said to you, look, that... I think I called you. I, you I did me. message you and tell you that that is the best game that I've seen so far this year. Um, I think both ty- both teams played... I think you said you said it was a great game. I said it was the best game so far this year. The Eels... This is what I mean. The Eels made defensive errors, but their scrambling defence, I thought, was superb. Sure, their scrambling defence is good, but, but there, there's, some, there's some technical deficiencies on that right edge. And they have the third... Def- they have the third worst defensive record They do. Record the scramble's the ultra important, because I think without their scrambling defence, they're, they're down almost 20-0, because the, the storm started off on fire. And, and if Justin Olam could run the play, then well, yeah, that's different. Properly. But, <laughs> and he probably, if he wasn't running at Mitchell Moses, he kind of looks for that kind of stuff too. He's a bit, he's a bit cheeky, uh, Mitchell Moses. But they just make big plays in defence. Power they miss stuff. But Gutherson, the more you watch him closely defensively, you talk about this d- defensively. He was sensational. He's sensational the, defensively. Gutho, Gutho is the best defensive fullback. Oh, I don't think it's close. I've been saying this I don't for two think years. It's close. I've been saying really this for two years. He's you know, we talk about if he had outright pace, and I know he's had an ACL injuries and injuries when he was at Manly, so he probably lost some of it. I think you'd probably say we've got amazing fullbacks. I think he would probably be the best fullback in the comp almost because he does everything else so well. He's just, his anticipation is he's always in the right place. Always. Just I like Gutho defensively, and I like he, he just reads. You know, when there's players you notice, they just know, it's almost like they anticipate what's happening. That's him. He's always there, right? So I thought he had a great... He always has a great game. But, you know, I, I just think a lot of the players played really well. Both teams moved the ball really quickly, really crisply as well. It wasn't generally, you know, people getting in the way of each other. I thought Dylan Brown was aggressive running the ball. He, ch- he charged onto the line. He used I thought his, he was man of the match. He, look, he used his, <laughs> his pace as well. He's actually quite fast, Dylan Brown, but he rarely stretches out. Um, but I thought he really attacked the line. And you had him and Marnie playing off each other and looking... I don't think it was Reed Marnie's best game. I don't think it was mixed Reed bag. Marnie's best mixed game. Bag I, think, for me. I think I think mixed bag, mixed bag. I think that's a fair description. And I would say Brandon Smith made big plays, but he also overplayed his hand and strangled the Storm's attack at, at times. So I thought he had quite a mixed 
bag too. Oh, did you, I thought Brandon Smith was quite good. He, he a little bit guilty of maybe trying too hard. I just thought it was a really high quality game. The speed at which both teams played and the quality of football, the ball moved around a lot. We've beaten the Storm three times in a row now, G. Yeah, and, and look, when, when the Storm hit the lead again, where Pappenheisen came storming through the middle um, after Brandon Smith made that break, this is how good Parramatta's scrambling defence was. They didn't hit the lead, they equaled, they equaled sorry. But, you know, um, yeah. to score that try, Brandon Smith busted the line, but the thing is, if it wasn't Munster and Pappenheisen flying up behind him, Paris shuts that down. And they only then just scored. Well, they nearly did. But do you know who were the people scrambling? Who were the two people scrambling? Bra- um, Mitchell, Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown and... Um... The halves. The halves. So what does that tell you about us defensively in the halves? We're not DCE. We're not Sam Walker. We've got a good... We, we, we're, we've got a very, very, very good defensive halves pairing. Where I watched and I love Gutherson, right? So the Nick Meany try... As probably second to Jerome Hughes. And like that, they, they, those two teams might have the two best defensive Dylan halves Brown is very good defensively. Very good. Oh, superb. I thought superb. Nelson Osofa-Solomona was fantastic for the Storm. He really stepped up because they're missing a lot of their forward leaders. And I thought he really took a step up in that game. And Well, he's been playing well for weeks except, except for the cheap shot. Yeah, except for the cheap shot. But hey, McIntyre was having a go at him. It was actually kind of good to see that at least um, challenge each other. He wasn't scared, the young kid. I, I would have probably picked someone else. Wasn't it Makahesi? I thought it was McIntyre anyway. Um, but I would have thought you would have picked someone else to, to challenge him. Not Nelson or Solomon. Who was it? Who was it, G? Can you stop it? The guy with the peroxide blonde hair. Um, Is he any relation to you and Aiken? He may well be. It must have been. He must have transplanted some of you and Aiken's hair. It's Makahisi Makatoa. Yeah, see Makatoa. And um, I loved... I think Makatoa might be his first name, though. Would you stop it? And, um, you know, the, the, the try where Meany scored off... Um, Munster's kick and I love Nick Meany great try you saw an element of how fast Nick Meany is and they put him into space to storm they used that but Gutho he had 100 metres free yeah but Gutho this is the thing Gutherson made the tackle on Remus Smith on the far right touch oh, line oh yeah yeah he's got an right? engine he's got an engine the, the ball only went two or three passes to Munster the rest of the Eels were all taking a break because of break and was sucking in air and that kick went straight to Nick Meany. Nick Meany is one of the fastest people on the field. And Gutho had already read the play and went to shut down the space there. And if that ball bounces in any direction, Gutho probably cleans that up. Which, if you think about that play, is actually unbelievable. He's just His anticipation is... Honestly, I love watching him play because it's it's not all athleticism and speed. It's anticipation yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Smarts, I agree. I couldn't you know? agree more. Um, anyway. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I knew, I knew if you fumbled around in the dark long enough, you'd eventually come up with a good point. If all the younger listeners or people never saw, saw Terry Lamb play, you can YouTube him. He's Gutho plays like Terry Lamb. Wherever there's a break, if Gutho said Terry Lamb was a five eight, yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. if Gutho there's a break with Para on the left, and then he's there, and then somehow if they make a break on the right, somehow Gutherson pops up on the other side of the field. I thought he was fantastic, but um, I thought the Eels scrambling defence really helped them. And Ray Stone came you, on. You've, you've, only, you've, only, you've only mentioned the scrambling defence 12 it. times. I love it. And Ray Stone came on and changed the game. Not because he scored. It's like he did. He was hitting everyone in defence. He was closing the gaps. And then he scored two amazing I, I tries. Felt, I, felt, I felt great for him because of the way it ended for him last year when he had to come in and play hooker. I, I really hope it's not an ACL, though. Let's hope it isn't. Um, but he really impacted the game in defence and, and attack. And I just thought it was a great game, very even. And the Eels, good win. 
But okay, before we move on to the next game, though, G, what did you think of the eel scrambling defence? I thought it was excellent. Just to be oh, sure. Oh, good, yeah. good, 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 good. Okay, excellent, excellent. The the, the eel scrambling defence. You've heard it here first. So let's move on to the last game of Super Saturday, which actually. Super Saturday's been quite good this season. The footy's been excellent. We might actually yeah. be start being able to legitimately call it Super Saturday again. Correct, but it's, it has been replaced by shitty Sunday. So <laughs> yeah, last year it actually has. Last year it was, you know, sat- satisfactory Sunday and shitty Saturday. Now it's swapped around. <laughs> it's absolutely Super Saturday the and shitty Sunday, Sunday have been now. Shit out. Yes. I've got, I've got exactly like normally I get take copious notes on these games. The Broncos, Cowboys, and Manly Bulldogs was almost unwatchable. Anyway, let's do the Raiders-Titans first, the last game on Super Saturday. The Raiders actually got this 24-22, even though the Titans completely dominated the first half, scoring four tries through the Raiders' leaky right edge. All the tries came down their right edge. It was 22-0 in the 39th minute before Valamai got one at the death um, on the Titans' right edge to make it 22-4 at halftime. The Titans had all the ball and all the position in the first half or the field position, and whatever Ricky said at halftime worked to treat with the Raiders scoring three tries of their own against the Titans' right edge in the first 10 minutes of the second half to reduce the deficit to 22-18, and with only goal-kicking separating the two sides with four tries apiece. Then with four minutes to go, Chance Nickel-Clockstad grounded a Schneider kick to take the lead 24-22. Poor Justin Holbrook at this point must be, must be tearing his hair out. And Valamai iced the game with a bone-crushing tackle on AJ Brimson. Bo Firma showed why he is being touted for Queensland Origin team. Toby Sexton, other than the intercept, and Tino were great for the Titans. Uh, for the Raiders, I thought Schneider's best game as a halfback, and Rapana and Matthew Tomoko were on at left centre was great with two tries. Schneider's short kicking was fantastic, and the second half... This was two different games. It, oh, yeah, absolutely. And a second half. They were two completely different games. Um... The Raiders got up in the end, five tries to four. They just, they just about deserved it. Um, but this is the rocks and diamonds you get with the Titans. I think this is one of those games where you could say that it was evenly balanced, but in a very weird way, where the first half yeah, was, was totally really Titans. You're right. Second half was totally Cabra and all the Raiders. And it's not like the Storm and the Eels where they were close the whole no, way through. It was just, just one side completely dominated for 40 minutes. And then whatever happened at halftime, the other side completely dominated for 40 minutes. I, look, I, we, we, you spoke about Valame's try at the end of the first half. The Titans were so dominant. They scored four tries. They scored, they scored the four, try, four tries before halftime. And I think they kind of clocked off a little bit just before halftime. And they allowed Valame to get that try, which gave the I think ta- that's right. ta- ta- um, Raiders a little bit of um, confidence that they weren't down that much. And then it just totally flipped around in 10 minutes. Yeah, it was all quick. Oh, it was I mean, really quick. Far like, out. I mean, what do you say, T? I mean, the Titans, this is exactly like last year. I, I think it's a fitness issue. I've always thought it's a fitness issue. I think part of the issue is they targeted Greg Marju and Patrick Herbert, and that side of the field doesn't have much lateral agility. And I think when you've got Marju trying to close gaps... Yeah, right yeah, edge, it's a problem. It's, it's a, a problem, problem for the Titans. Right? But, but, but I don't think it's... I, when they lose like this, it's not fitness. When they lose where they get run over in the last 10 minutes, it's fitness. Like it's you, fitness doesn't mean you can see three tries in ten minutes after half time. 
That's concentration. It's decision making. But isn't that doesn't that come down to your fitness levels? If your fitness levels aren't good not, enough, not, not after half time. Well, you're yeah, that's you just had a 10, 15 minute break. Yeah, they're a, they're a funny side. The Titans, they really are. This is where you get the. You know what you should be doing if you're up twenty two nil. You should be trying to do what Cam Smith used to do with the Storm. Instead of trying to extend the lead, you should be just getting through your sets, kicking to the corners, getting field position, grinding the game out. And then, as the other side get more desperate, then then you get you get. What your do you What do you think it is? Do you think it's a confidence thing? Because when they're firing, they score three, four tries really quick, and they can beat in. But then all of a sudden, they let in one or two, and then confidence. they just drop everything. No, I don't. I just think. I just don't. I think they need. You know who they need? Kurt Capewell. Mm, yeah, I think that's a good call. Like a vet- yes. veteran presence. Yeah, Adam Reynolds would have been perfect, obviously, but but. Someone like that, a veteran. They need a veteran presence. They're a young side, G. They're a young side, and they're learning on the floor. But I really think Jermaine Asako is a good signing for them because they need to get rid of Greg, um, Greg Marju. Uh, look, he, I understand he's got that. massive biceps, that, but, but that will help their defense a little bit at least. I think. I think they need. I think they need a Jake Friend type. You mentioned Adam Reynolds, Kurt Capewell, someone to set Aiden Tolman. Aiden Tolman would have been a good someone presence. Someone like that. Yeah, someone like that. He's not as he's he's losing a little bit of his agility. Aiden, you're not, but you're not you're not you're not you're not bringing them up there for what they do on the field anymore. You you, you half bring them up there for their leadership. It's their leadership, their hard work. They do the dirty stuff that no one wants to do. That's right. You know they. I, I agree with you. I think they need one of those players because I think the old player was Proctor, but Proctor's now he's aged, right? Like he's kind of not as good as he used to be. They kind of didn't. I don't think they've really replaced him. I think Isaac Liu might have been one of those, but I think Fafita, Bo Fermor, they, they they get tired. Ironically, they should have gone. They should have gone for Josh Hodgson. Josh Hodgson would be perfect at the Titans. Not a bad call, actually. If, if he had an ACL, but yeah, it's because they need a hooker and they need a veteran presence. And Josh Hodgson would have ticked both. Ended up not being able to break down this game because it was just ridiculous. It's, this is what I mean. Or a Cam, <laughs> Cam McInnes would have been a good signing for these guys, you know? Or an Adam Clune or someone, yeah. whatever, anyway. I'm like yeah. you. I don't know what to say about this game because it was ridiculous. Except that I, I did think, um, you know, Tino, they rely on Tino a lot, the Titans. A lot. A lot. A like, lot. he's kind of their engine in that pack. Fatawaika's not as fit as he is. He's explosive, but he's losing a little bit. Um, but they they rely too much on Tino, and I do think they need to sort out their winger and centre issues on the Herbert on that right hand side. I think Bo Firma's been pretty good. For He's them. been pretty good. He adds another explosive that can go either either side. It doesn't have to always go to Fafita. Um, but you know, or well, they need they need a well, range. That's, that's of second good because rower. after the first three minutes, Dave Fafita's sucking them in. Oh uh, yeah, I know. You know, they need a tall, rangy guy. They need a Tupanua on the fringe, not a Fafita, not another Fafita, but. Um, outside of that, I thought, you know, Tino had a great game. I thought Sexton played pretty well. He's coming along. Other than the intercept. Other than yeah. the intercept. Yeah, I like You know, I like he's Toby still, he's still a youngster. Him. He's played pretty well. Brimson had moments. And Bo Fermo, yeah, I, I thought, uh, did all right. Um, and for the Raiders, I thought, once Tomoko had a couple of things go his way in the second half, I thought he really, yeah, really right. started to grow into the game and he really started to have more of an impact. And... Do you know who I thought had a really good game? Um, I thought Emre Goulet had a really good game. He carried the ball strongly, and he—he, he, I felt like he really did a lot of the grunt work for the Raiders. Can we, can we be honest? Josh Josh Papali has not started the season. No, he either. hasn't. No, he's not. And Schneider, yeah, same thing. I thought Schneider. Yeah, I thought his best know, game. He's, in first he, grade. he did well. He played solid, and then he kicked 
the goal. He's short kicking game. He kept getting resets and yeah, that, yeah, that a couple try of tries. For, um, Charles Nickel Clockstad was perfectly placed. If that was anywhere yeah. else, there's three Titans around there. They get it perfectly placed. They score and then he pots the goal to put them in the lead. So, look, how about Semi Valame's hit on Brimson? Holy oh, shit. yeah. He, at the end, oh, yeah, mate. he absolutely iced That it. is yeah. probably the best legal hit you can possibly He's do. bone crushing. Yeah, he, he's bone he crushing. so hard. Um, but, yeah, crazy game. And I guess just the Raiders ended up winning it. But the Titans, mate, they could be 0-3 or 3-0. Three, three and 0. Like, well, that's, that's, they're all that's over that the place. Season, right, for them. Yeah. All over the all right. place. Let's move, let's move on to shitty Sunday. <laughs> yes, it was uh, shitty first Sunday. Up, first up. First up, it was the Broncos versus Cowboys. I didn't see this coming. The Cowboys got this one 38-12. I didn't either. Cowboys, yeah, Cowboys started the brightest, and when Chad Townsend grubbed for Nanai, it was 8-0 to the Cowboys. Val Holmes then danced through the Broncos' defense, but the Cowboys butchered it, and Corey Oates took the slowest intercept in history and got Can run down. Can someone tell me what happened there? He took I an don't intercept, know. and I thought, shit, he I must be just, injured. And then he I wasn't. He was just so it's slow. Just, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. If you get a chance, go back and have a look. It was the world's slowest intercept. From someone who you he thought got, would run away, at least look fast. Someone who scored yes. 100 tries yes. for the Broncos on the wing, yeah. So anyway, 24 minutes into the first half, the Broncos got a penalty try where three 50-50 decisions went their way. Uh, before okay, Kyle, Kyle felt bundled with, over Herbie with, look, as he was yeah, going to score. With that penalty try, it was a ridiculous decision because... He probably would have got in there, but there was no way it was certain. But it looks like the bunker. Yeah, but even before then, both kicks might have been offside. Like that does, that's irrelevant. That part. <laughs> that part. Oh, Jesus. That's anyway. irrelevant. But it looks like the bunker loves Herbie as much as we do. So he was adamant. He's, that he's was been get playing there. so well. He is a good player. So he's he's up eight six at this point. The Cowboys. Both teams had chances to score before halftime, but Tormalolo, standing at second receiver, sent a beautiful pass to Nimi, who scored. Tormalolo, the ball player, we didn't know he had this in his game, right? And it was 14-6 to the Cowboys at halftime. If he can start doing more of that, he becomes more dangerous because he becomes less like a prop playing lock and more like one of those creative... I agree, and I I can't blame the defence for misreading that because... No, no. When, when's the last time he did that? Yeah, yeah it was right. a def- 100%. Oh, shit, I didn't know he could do that. Yeah, correct, correct. The the Cowboys then opened the scoring in the second half after three consecutive errors from Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds has not been playing well for the Broncos. I hate to say that to you, Broncos fans. Two kicks out on the full, and then he got sucked in by Tom, a Tormalolo decoy, um, and they scored through Val Holmes yep. to make it 20-6. I thought Val Holmes was, had a really good game. One of his soon. better games for the Nan- Cowboys, I think. Yeah, yeah, and his goal-kicking superb. Yep. Nana, Nanai got his second off a bomb that looked to be touched by Chad Townsend. It was 26 Okay, so I'm point. not the only one that thought Chad Townsend touched that for sure, right? 100%. Okay, thank 100%. you. And look, and at that point, though, the Broncos looked completely out of their feet. Yes, they were fitness, done. I, I thought they were done. Fitness, at that, I thought fitness, they looked like 2020 Broncos. Like, they were, they were done. And a couple of minutes later, Nanai scored his third after another Dearden bomb to make it 32-6 to six with 15 to go. 15 minutes left, they're up 32-6. to six. I was worried it was going to get embarrassing at that point. It, I could easily see the Cowboys putting on another three or four tries, but it didn't end up that way. It didn't get as bad as I had feared with the team swapping tries to make it 38-12 to the Cowboys. Val Holmes, Tom Malolo, Dearden and Chad Townsend and Nanai, hard to split. I thought they were the top four or five players for the for the Cowboys. For the Broncos, just a really average performance, particularly the second half. The I second think half you're terrible. right about the Broncos. I don't think this was a hugely a high-quality game. 
I thought Dearden played well. I think you don't think it was a hugely high quality. So game. I don't thanks, look, Scoop. Yeah, I look. I, you know, you look at the score and you think the Cowboys must have played really well, but I don't think they did. Well, they did relative to the, but the Broncos were really the bad. The Broncos were bad. I thought, and I was going to ask you a quick question before I give my th- other thoughts on the game. Adam Reynolds, I was looking at Brisbane, and Brisbane is playing a flat methodical game management style of football. Is that because they've got Adam Reynolds there and they're thinking, oh, this is the way we've got to play? Because they gave nothing to the Cowboys' defence. I thought they were very conservative in attack. Yeah, they didn't have field position. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it's that. You don't no, think don't so? Think. You just think it was purely no. the field position aspect? Correct. Okay. Because they didn't look that way last week, right? Well, yeah, they barely had the ball last week too. So... Um, yeah, but they had more try, more chances on the goal line last. last they week. did, so it's more. Yeah, um, yeah but for me, um, and they did, they did throw a bit at you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was. I just don't think, and I don't think Adam Reynolds had one of his better games. No, I don't like, think, I think, he, think he had a poor did game. Much, and he wasn't yeah. really. I didn't feel like he was running the ball at all. He just was feel like he played a very. He he, gave, he tried to manage the game. This is the problem for the Broncos. Tried to manage this the is game. the problem for the Broncos. Who else is gonna? They don't have halves. Who else is gonna do it? They don't have a hooker. They've got a really young fullback. Their spine. They spent all their money elsewhere. They've got two great centers. They've got a really young pack. They need a hooker and a fullback. I don't think they have one. I don't think Jake Turpin did a good job. And I, I think Billy Walters. I was trying to get his name. And I thought Billy Walters didn't really impact the game the same way he did last week. But I th- look, I thought the Cow- the Broncos were ordinary, bar a couple of decent runs again from Carrigan or Payne Haas. I-, I don't think Tony Staggs had that good a game either. Um, he barely touched the ball, no, was involved. I agree. And I- like you said, I thought Holmes had one of his better games because they got him running in space a bit more. So he's getting time to juke the defence and step and, past and, them. and the and the dropout that he feel he batted back in that was going to find touch. Like like he he was really in the game. I thought he played well. Tom Malolo is playing a lot better. He's yep. still got a way to go, but um, and I thought Jordan McLean's starting to step up his game a bit. He's been a bit MIA the last year or two. This Nanai character, just tall, athletic, you know, fringe back rower that's kind of got really good agility, but he's got a hat trick of kicks. <laughs> like it's pretty unusual. He did, yeah, but well, he's having right. an impact yeah, in every unusual. game. He's still a youngster. He's got a lot of potential, right? But Dearden played a really good game. Again, he's aggressive, he's running. But at times, I still thought the Cowboys' attack was quite clunky. And standing around watching Valent- Val Holmes trying to step past four guys or then past the hammer who's then trying to step people. But they took advantage. They're taking advantage of the opportunity, the Cowboys, or they're getting a few lucky bounces with a kick or, you know, they're kicking for Nanai and Nanai's actually catching the ball and aggressively taking bombs. He's like, And just their dominating field position, the Cowboys. In all the games they've played, I felt like they've really dominated the field position for most of the game. You know, they, they've won two, but they really should have beaten the Bulldogs as well. So they really should be undefeated. I don't think I would have said at the start of the year. Kyle felt. did you see his Olivier Giroud, where he was actually backing up and then basically gave a, trapped the ball with his feet and passed it off to the guy, which I thought was pretty skillful, yeah, I actually. I did see that, I did see that, yeah. And um, Cohen Hess, I recently watched Creed 2. I know I'm a little bit behind times, but he would have been perfect as... Ivan Drago's son in that movie. All right, let's move on to the Sunday. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when the I was last watching game. the game. <laughs> Just last game, Super Sunday. I, can't, I am going to need you to actually follow Creed, the footy. Creed, please, follow Creed, go. please. How good's Parramatta's defence? Uh, gee, they're the third worst defence in the comp. This is why G doesn't coach first Speaking grade. Speaking of, uh, if or, I was coaching the grade. first grade, let's just say my team would look eerily similar to the Titans. 
Well, let me tell you someone who's been taking tips on how to catch the ball and how to defend in Manly's team. Morgan Harper from you. Oh, he's lost the plot. What the hell has happened? Manly defeated the Bulldogs 13-12 in the last game of Shitty Sunday. This game was almost unwatchable. It was extremely wet conditions at Brookie, and in the first minute, Ola Katawu dropped a grubber on his line and Wakem pounced to make it 4-0. 12 minutes later on the right edge, Mutt Dufty came into second receiver and grubbed behind a compressed Manly left edge for Burns to score. Only 8-0 because Matt Burton's goal kicking has been not great this He's season. He's not a natural goal kicker. Really? What gave it away? His long toes? <laughs> I However, think it's his long toes. Later, <laughs> a few minutes later, Manly scored an 80-metre try down the Bulldogs' left edge after Jake Foran. Jake gave it to Foran. Foran gave it to Parker, who sent Garrick away, who finally found Turbo to make it 8-6. Yeah. A penalty goal to the Dogs made it 10-6. And then on the stroke of half time. Manly got around the dog's right edge with Foran using Turbo as a decoy to suck Burns in and then threw a beautiful cutout pass for Garrick to score and give Manly the lead 12-10 at half time. The heavens opened up in the second half. It was it was tough for the players and Manly put a lot of pressure on the dog's line but were unable to crack the dogs. Eventually, Matt Burton leveled the score with 10 to go through a penalty and his toes made it over the crossbar before the ball. But it wasn't, but it wasn't enough. As DCE slotted the dodgiest looking field goal you'll ever see to win the game 13 12. The second half was won by the Dogs as a positive for your mob G. You won the second half 2 1. <laughs> you know how funny that sounded? You won the second half 2 1. It's great. Look, uh, he, here's my summation over all of this game in that. It's shit. It was there you sh- go. No, you don't need much more no, than that. No, we played, I would say, okay. And this is in comparison to last year. You guys are playing the way you Dean Pay. Yes. And Every team is playing down to your level. I thought Mandy were woeful and they still won. Both teams were terrible. And they still Both won. Um, for me, I suppose, T, after last year, the team's defending with a lot more spirit and heart and there's a I lot less errors there. I, I think... Um, Braden Burns, whilst he gets beaten for pace here and there, he reads the game quite well, generally. Um, so I think that's helped. Except for the try he could they scored. Oh, mate. The, the scramble defence was non-existent um, after what that. What do you mean scramble defence? You're completely outnumbered. Oh, totally. And um, and Matt Burton, is a, he's reading the game in defence and he's solidified that fringe as well by being... A, he's, he's an excellent defender and he takes the big guys on too, but... Manly tried everything they could to possibly let us win that game, and we just weren't good enough to win. And the same problems in attack: there's we're flat, there's no depth, there's a lot of one out running, and people watching the game, watching the football. Um, you know, I think for example, we're I almost feel like we're saints from a couple of years ago. Unless Matt Dufty does something, you're not that good. No, like unless Matt Dufty does something, nothing happens. It's boring, one out, very methodical. And we're slow. We're trying to play, I wouldn't say expansive, but when they're moving the ball, the ball's also slow. And then it reaches a fringe back row. And for Manly's defense, it was too easy to pick off. And Manly's errors were terrible. They were they played, they were sloppy, I thought. But then all they did was click it together for two or three plays and they won the game. I can't believe you were able to find that much to say about this game. It was terrible. 
It was terrible. But you know what? With the next couple of games, as a Dogs fan, I think. Well, you've got a, you've got you've got an easy one coming up against the Storm. I think we're Melbourne. gonna we're looking at a one and six start possibly. But do you know what? T same thing here. We dominated field position. Mandy was, excuse me, dropping the ball constantly. We've got some of the. Let's be honest. We've got some of the best attackers in the competition. But you don't have a halfback. Yeah, well, but we've got um, Ado Carr, Matt Burden. Uh, bless you. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you know, and we still couldn't score any points, and that's happened two weeks in a row. So it's disappointing. But you know, uh, Manly just a little bit too good on the night. Really, the flashes of brilliance were just too good for us. So let's move on to round four preview. First up on Thursday night, Titans on a t- Titans versus Tigers. Tigers on a quick turnaround. Titans are a dollar twenty-five favourites. Tigers are four dollars outsiders, and the Tigers have eleven and a half points start. Do you see anything other than a Titans win here, G? No, I don't. I, I just don't think. I just don't think the Tigers have enough points. Yeah, the Tigers just don't have enough points. I think the Tigers will toil hard. You know, they'll they'll be in the game like they have been for each of the few the games that they played this year. But ultimately, I think the Titans are just going to have a little bit too much class in attack. The, the Warriors had a little bit too much for them, and the Titans are. A lot better in attack than the Warriors. So I think the Titans will win this game. And their defensive lapses probably won't cost them that much against the Tigers. That's right. That's right. I agree with that. All right. Next up, there's two great games on the Friday. First up is the Sharks versus the Knights. The Sharks are $1.39 favourites. The the Knights are $3 outsiders. The Knights have seven and a half points start. With Mitch Barnett out and the way the Sharks are playing at home, I'm going to tip the Sharks, but you could convince me the Knights will win this too. Not that, you know, after my tipping this weekend, you should listen to anything I say. Uh, I can't say anything but a Sharks win in this game. I think the Knights, it, I'm looking forward to a really good game. I think ultimately the Knights are a little bit down in troops in their forwards. I think they'll miss Mitch Barnett a fair bit. And I think the Sharks might be just a little bit too good so far. But it's a good game. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching game. this game. I think yeah. both these teams will be in the eight now. I think so. I agree I with the that. Knights, I thought the Knights might have skipped out, but I, I disagree now. I think they'll both be in the eight. I think they fixed the issue that would have made them miss out. They're back, the Knights. Yeah. I think the Titans might be the ones that miss out. Absolutely though. possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So second game on Friday is the grand final replay between the Panthers and the Rabbitohs back at Panthers Stadium. Panthers are $1.39 favourites. Rabbitohs are $3 outsiders. The Rabbitohs have seven and a half points start. Nathan Cleary will be back for this game, but they've still got Isaac Targo and Taylan May down the left edge. Uh, James Fisher-Harris still out. And I just don't know what to make of the Rabbitohs. They were really good against the Roosters. They are playing better each week. I don't know. This is a hard game. I think Penrith will beat them because I don't think the Rabbitohs with Campbell Graham and stuff would be good enough to really trouble Targo and, and May all that much. I think with Milne and... Well, that's good because Campbell Graham's on the other side of the field. With Milne and Jackson Paulo, I think they match up with Targa. I don't think they, they're they that much better that they're going to bust the Panthers up a little down that side of the field. I expect um, the Panthers to be a little bit too strong defensively for the Rabbitohs in this game, and I'm tipping Penrith, especially with Cleary back. I think I'm going to go the Rabbitohs. After the Pe- Rabbitohs win last week, I think um, this will be a lot better game than I would have thought it would be a couple of weeks ago. I think the Panthers are looking vulnerable to me. I'm not saying they won't be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, but... but... Yeah, the Knights were in that game, and they were they they there was they were down to twelve, right? I think you're right. I think I just wonder if it's just one of these things where they don't look as convincing as they yeah, did last year. And it could be just because they they know they're so good and they they're they're flicking the switch well, on that, and off. It could be that. 
And I think the Rabbitohs will be motivated, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they came out fired up bloody last final. week. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be looking forward to a good game. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Super Saturday. Yep. First up, it's the Warriors versus the Broncos. The Warriors are $2.50 outsiders. The Broncos are $1.54 favourites. The Warriors have four and a half points start. I don't know why the Broncos are favourites after that performance. This is a hard thing, picking a week after that performance by the Broncos. I thought they were poor. I, I, I didn't think they did much in attack. And then eventually, defensively, whilst they were okay, they just gave away far too much possession and ultimately got smacked. And they, like you said, they flagged. They ran out of energy. Um, the Warriors tend to keep things close, relatively speaking. I'm going to tip the Warriors, but not convincingly. I am too. Because I don't think the Warriors have been overly impressive either. No, but I think they got they got enough to get through the Broncos, in my opinion. They do. Good question as to why the Broncos are the favourites, actually. Don't know, but it is what it is. So next game on Super Saturday yep. is Manly versus Raiders. Manly is a dollar thirty nine favourites. The Raiders are three dollars outsiders. Raiders have seven and a half points start. Um, for me, this is one of the toughest games to call this weekend. I have no idea who will win this game. I Manly is not playing well. It wouldn't surprise me if Mandy smacks the Raiders, but then it wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders are winning because the Seagulls have been poor, but then they've got the offensive talent to just turn it on and then rack up 30 points. Well, you say that, you say that, but Tommy Turbo's not playing as well as he did last season. And I think I think, I think, think it papered over a lot of cracks in that Manly's time team last year. Yeah, some of those other players, you did mention Harper. Harper had a shocker and he's been poor this year. He finished he off the really season poor. last year. He had that shocker in the semi. And then he's been poor in just about all the three games so far. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go the Raiders, I think, in this game. I, I think whilst they haven't been great, in the two games they've won, they've been pretty tough. And they've tried to play a little bit of different footy. So, And the Seagulls, I don't know. They just seem to be struggling. So I think, oh, I think I'm going to go the Raiders, actually. But not convincingly. This game is, I really have no idea. It's kind of one of those, what do you feel on the day type of picks. That's, I'm sure that's reassuring to our listeners. It is. Last They're usually the people Saturday. that win the bloody footy tipping competitions because they like the logos or something. Okay. <laughs> Last game on Super Saturday is the Cowboys versus the Roosters. Roosters are $1.31 favourites. Cowboys back in Townsville. They're $3.50 outsiders and have an 8.5 point start. They've just pummeled the Broncos uh, and the Roosters are coming off a bad loss to the Souths. I'm tipping the Roosters, T. I think... I just, I don't know, the Cowboys are win- winning or being in games, but I haven't been impressed by them. I'm impressed because I didn't think they'd be, you know, this cohesive. And they, they are starting to, what I noticed is they've got their props passing the ball a bit more, like Jason T and even Jordan McLean and stuff. So they're, they're slowly tinkering with the style of footy they play. I just, I'm expecting the Roosters to come up fired up again after last week, kind of. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to tip the Roosters. I just think they'll be a little bit too strong. I think the Roosters have got a pretty good record against the the, the Cowboys, and I think that'll continue. Let's move on to Shitty Sunday. Yeah, it is Shitty which, Sunday. Uh, oh, no. The Eels and Dragons might be a good game, but Shitty Sunday, yep. So can I just say the first game, Storm are twenty favourites. Bulldogs are $4.50 outsiders. The Bulldogs have 13.5 points start. Um, I, I'm tipping the Storm for obvious reasons. I'm going to tip the Storm. I mean, I don't think... We've struggled. We had 60% of the possession against the Broncos, camped in their line, against Manly, first half, all the ball, multiple errors, constant errors by the Seagulls. They were off their game, and we struggled to score points. We're not scoring against the Storm. 
the Storm. And what would be ironic is if Nick Meany scored a hat-trick against us too. So Storm for me by probably oh God, 20. Could you imagine if that happened? All right. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think you're right. I was toying with whether Bulldogs would cover the 13. And uh, yeah, I don't. You know what? Def- it's touch and go, though. It, I think the line's right. I think the It's about right. right. It's one of those where you think defensively the effort's been okay, but... You know they're kind of just hanging on too. It wouldn't, and they've played. Can I, just something we haven't covered off either for the Bulldogs. Josh Addo Cars look terrible. He's out of position a lot. I, I was gonna say I was gonna. I'll, we'll talk about that maybe next week. We'll see how he plays against Melbourne. But I, I love him. I just think something's not not right. He just he's not in the game. He's not in the game. And defensively, but he's out. Of, he just just he's out of the position. Like they're kicking the ball over him. Yeah. He's like he's yeah. He's just he's really out of position a lot. You know what worries me about that is at times against Manly, his enthusiasm to get involved sparked the team. But I don't think he has any faith in the structure that we're playing, and that concerns me. Well, I don't know, but but he's out of position a lot. All right, last game on Super Sunday is uh, the Eels versus Saints. Who knows what Saints are going to show up? (laughs) $3.75 outsiders. G thought they played well despite getting their asses handed to them by the Sharks. I didn't. Eels are a dollar twenty-eight favourites. Have the best scrambling defence. They do within, wrapped within yes. wrapped within the third worst defence in the comp. Yes, um, and the Saints have ten and a half points start. I think the Eels will win this though. I think the Eels. We're will back win. at Bankwest. For me, this game is the Dragons got to show up and compete and make, get it close, and hopefully they get a few lucky breaks. And if they play well, I think you know it's a good sign for them going further into the season. But I think the Eels are going to be too good, and I think. The win against the Storm, I think, is going to boost their confidence a fair bit too. And the Eels, once they get, right. they can get overconfident, but once they sort of get, so they can get on a roll sometimes. And I think um, they'll dispatch the Dragons this weekend. I hope you're right. And that brings us to the close of another marathon GNT show. I can't believe you've extended this as long as you have, knowing I'm sick. But it's just the type of bloke you it are. is. And I will see you again next week with uh, Misty the Cat and T. I'm looking forward to your scrambling defence next week. I just, I just would like you to do. Just, do you want me to get you a subscription to any of the newspapers <laughs> to follow the footy? No, I don't. I'll just ask Wayne Bennett what he thinks and Peter Valandis. There are some know. free websites as well that have the news. There are. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I reckon I'd have more luck working with a monkey at the moment. All right, I'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>